Hello, everyone, and welcome to A Cast of Kings, an unofficial podcast about the HBO original series Game of Thrones. I'm David Chen, and I haven't read any of the books in George R.R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire. I'm Joanne Robinson. I've read every book in George R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire. Welcome to the show. Uh, uh, that's actually a bit of a lie. I did read one of the books, but you read yeah. A uh, book. I read I a you- book. I think you changed the intro a couple of years ago to like, I haven't read most of the books. <laughs> Indeed, but it's been a while since we've done the show together. And w- w- whoa, it's it's November of of 2018, which is not when Game of Thrones airs. Uh-huh. Uh, and I, I, as far as I understand, it's months away from when Game of Thrones is going to air again. So what are you and I doing here, Joanna Robinson? Um. Well... I don't know if you heard David Chen. Uh, <laughs> a little whisper run through the internet I've heard, today. I've heard some birds out there. Yeah. Yes. Uh huh. Wow. You you're like slipping right back into the lingo of the show. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, somebody sent uh, like a massive oppressive flock of ravens uh, to let us know that uh, Game of Thrones is coming back officially next year in April. And I can tell you, Dave Chen, and our listeners that I've done some math based on some things I know. And I can I can very confidently say that it's not just April, but I believe it is April twenty eighth that Ooh. Game of Thrones will be coming back. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, um, I believe that I could. Uh, you know, I could be wrong, but either starting True Detective uh, at a certain date in January. That's running for eight episodes. Then they're running Big Little Lies after that. This is a fact that I know is true. That runs for seven episodes. So when you add all those Sundays up, you get to April 28th as the early, unless they start doubling up yeah, shows yeah. on HBO, which is not the craziest thing that they could do, uh, then we will be getting Game of Thrones April 28th. Yeah, I mean, they could do a thing where like they air the season finale of uh, Big Little Lies and then like season premiere of Game of Thrones right after. Like that night, it's possible. Maybe, probably not. Probably not. It it could happen. They probably I mean, want I, it to I, be on that time slot, right? I don't know that Game of Thrones needs a lead-in bump. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's possible that they could like double up the end of True Detective and the beginning of Big Little Lies, maybe. But I don't know that Big Little Lies needs a lead-in bump. If yeah. anything needs a lead-in bump, it might be True Detective, and that's you know, that's just gonna have to go on the grace of Marshall Ali and Stephen Dorff fans alone. Mm. So and um, uh, Jeremy Solnier for the first uh, like few episodes of it, I think, before yeah. Creative Differences removed him from that show. Uh, um, the old Creative Differences. That's old- David Milch. David Milch also involved. Before some mm. the old creative differences, ye old <laughs> creative differences. Um, so yeah, so uh, you had mentioned that this date was announced recently, and you thought, hey, let's get the old gang together. And by old gang, you meant me. Yeah. And uh, let's record a new episode of A Cast of Kings, just as a little little amuse bouche. If the meal was going to be, you know, fifteen hours after the amuse bouche, um, which. <laughs> In our case, means the next episode of this podcast probably going to be in April 28th or uh, 29th or, 20th or 30th. Um, but you can find more episodes of this podcast at GameOfThronesPodcast.com. You can also email us at acastofkings at gmail.com. That's acastofkings at gmail.com. We'll read your emails out on air many months from now. <laughs> in six months. <laughs> we will totally rem- – the North remembers and so do we, your emails <laughs> – Many months from now, probably not. No, um, I just I missed you, Dave Chen. I wanted to talk to you. So, yes, I mean uh, that was that was also part of the motivation. So I was like, you know what? I can't deny that. Can't deny uh, Joanna the opportunity for us to have a, a nice little chat again about 
Game of Thrones, and probably a couple of other things. So let's get into it, Joanna. But before we do that, uh, before we talk about like the date and what that means and kind of kind of the show, there's been a bunch of press around the show, around George R. R. Martin specifically, uh, recently, actually. Uh, first of all, you had a chance to interview George R. R. Martin, isn't that correct? I did. I talked to him yesterday. So what, what was the context under which that interview occurred? Oh yeah, he has a couple things coming up. Um, I was talking to him in the. Uh, I was supposed to be talking to him about the new sci-fi series Night Flyers, which is based on a novella he wrote in the 1980s. Um, but it just so happened that the same day, yesterday, Monday, uh, Stan Lee had died, and I know that Stanley was a huge influence on George R. R. Martin. So I wound up, you know, he was kind enough to talk to me a little bit about, like, he had literally just heard moments before I talked to him about Stanley. So, you know, he's still processing his thoughts. We talked a little bit about that. Um, and also his new series. And also, like, well, I think the most interesting thing to me, and this didn't, this didn't make it into my piece. So this is a cast of Kings exclusive. Um, but I was asking him, you know, Night Flyers, uh, George has a lot of irons in the fire right now. He's got Night Flyers is coming up. It, it airs in early December, I think the first week of December. Um, and then uh, he's got Fire and Blood, which is his like Targaryen history book that comes out next week. Hulu also announced today that they're, you know, possibly developing a wild card series from George R. Martin. So like he has a lot of non-game of Thrones, like non a Song of Ice and Fire things going on. Um, but I, you know, I asked him. I, I, what I was curious about is like we've talked over the years. I think about George R. Martin's like um, his feelings maybe about the show going from like a very strict adaptation of his book to a far looser adaptation of his book and um, Game of Thrones that is. And like, especially now that the show is shot past his books, like how can they possibly be adapting his books and what has happened to his ability to write? You know, he, he gave this interview to the guardian over the weekend that um, was fairly frank about his frustrations writing winds of winter and stuff like that. Yeah. Can um, I, if I may, I'd yeah. like to quote, quote from oh, that guardian interview. Do. Yeah. yeah. Um, where, where like the, the, t- take that I've seen from this interview is basically that uh, the show has in, in some ways overshadowed the books and that has made it difficult for him to finish. Like it, it's made it difficult for him to finish the books because of the, the weight of the expectation yeah. is so high. He says in this Guardian interview, quote, I've been struggling with it for a few years. Uh, the Winds of Winter is not so much a novel as a dozen novels, each with a different protagonist, each having a different cast of supporting players, antagonists, allies, and lovers around them, and all of these weaving together against the march of time in an extremely complex fashion. So it's very, very challenging. Fire and Blood, by contrast, was very simple. Not that it's easy. It still took me years to put together, but is but it is easier. End quote. He also confirmed that the sixth installment was his next priority. Um, and he says, like, then I'll decide what comes after that, whether it's to go on to A Dream of Spring, the last one, or whether I switch back into Fire and Blood 2, do another Dunkin' Egg story or two, but I'll worry about that uh, one thing at a time. That's too far ahead, end quote. So, yeah, it does seem like, well, there's a couple things at play in, in that quote, in my opinion, and you can um, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Uh, but I think, like, one one piece of it is, is what I've already said, which is that, like, the the show is so popular that it's like, you know, y- you now need to live up in some way to what the show has created in people's minds and, and, and also, like, surpass it, you know, because I think a lot of people think of the books as more expansive and uh, more interesting than the show because books can do things that the show can't do. And so uh, it's just a lot of pressure on the one hand. And then there's this other, this other uh, opinion that I've seen on, online is that, uh, that the 
the books have become so sprawling that they are essentially almost impossible to complete. Um, and I don't know what your opinion on that is. Like, do you feel like it has gone so far that there's no way this is, it's like the X-Files in later seasons. Like, there's no way this could come to a satisfying conclusion. Um, what do you think? I think for like a small section of diehard George R. R. Martin fans, like he, you know, he will still always be, and maybe even not that small, but he, his uh, version of events, his version of the story is all they want to know. Like they, that that's the definitive version for them. Mm, whatever, yeah. whatever it is, George may or may not eventually write whatever it is he has in his head. That's the definitive version. I think for a vastly larger percentage of the audience, it will be the first thing they see <laughs> and that will be right. what airs on HBO. You know what I mean? And then, then I think George was, you know, I don't like to, he's, he's such a nice man and he was like really nice to me on the phone yesterday. So like, and I've never, I don't think, well, maybe years ago when I was a little saltier, but like, I think for a long time I've not been like unfair to George in any way. And I don't like to presume to know what it's like inside his head. I'll just say this. I related so much to that guardian interview. I too have felt like stymied by like a burn and by expectations and and had trouble completing things. I feel like I feel George so much in all of this. I'm really enormously sympathetic to him. I really liked how honest he was about it. I think in years past, maybe he's just been a little bit more like, I'm working on it, leave me alone. And here he's like, listen, it's a struggle. And I'm like, immediately, I'm like, oh my God, you know, like I feel for you, dude. Um, he bled a little bit, you know, yeah, for, yeah. In, in that interview. And uh, uh, yeah. I, you know, and, and I think that matters that people see that. And I, I, I honestly think that as soon as he missed that first deadline, whatever it was, that ensured that the HBO series was going to air a story that he hadn't like written yet, he was in a tight spot. Um, and I think as soon as that happened, I think it, whether or not he knew it, something was lost. Some control over the narrative was lost to him forever. Mm. And like, I, you know, I don't think it's hubris for him to think that he could do this. Like he just thought, you know, I'll have years. They'll have, they have a bunch of books to get through and then surely I'll finish by then. And like, haven't we all set goals that we thought we could meet and didn't meet anyway. I really feel for George. I don't, I honestly don't know if he'll ever finish. I, um, I was talking to someone who's who shall remain named, whose partner who shall remain named, unnamed. Uh, <laughs> we're, sorry, <laughs> he shall remain named. I'm like, ooh, we're gonna hear. Uh, oh, oh no, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm a really good spy. Um, worked at um, the publishing house. Uh, you know, George is a it's a bant his banta books. I think Random House Penguin and. Um, he, uh, they're all convinced over there that it's never going to happen. It's what I was told. Um, you know, and so, cause they all get like, I think major bonuses if it does, they're all like very, very financially invested if it does. Mm. And they've all given up hope. And so like, I, you know, I want to hope for George, but I completely understand. Like if it were me and I were procrastinating, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd just, put out a multi-hundred page Targaryen history instead if I could. I'd be like, listen, I'll just do this. And nobody can tell me it's wrong or not the same as the book or not living up because it's its own like separate thing. <laughs> you, so you, you'd I, pull a Fantastic Beasts, as it were. Uh, uh, as, like as, as it were, the crimes of Joanna Robinson. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's... Um, it's interesting. Do you, how do you feel like, you know, when you saw George bleeding a little bit in that Guardian interview, how did that make you feel? Yeah. I mean, I think uh, everything, I, everything you said resonates with me. You know, I think uh, there already been so many indelible moments 
in the show that like will will echo in the halls of pop culture history um that he didn't get to define how they were they were yeah. done you know i think like i'm thinking back in the last season like i mean specifically like uh, i think hold the door right was that yeah. in the books that was not in the books right no, but apparently it's like one of a few things that George like told Weiss right. and Benioff that he planned to do. And so, yeah, so they got to execute his vision from like decades ago. Yeah, yeah. that's sad to me, man. Um, you know, that being said, we're getting a final season of Game of Thrones, whatever it may be. And then we've got all this other stuff that George is working on. And like, so the thing, so that all circles back to the thing that he said to me that I didn't wind up putting in the piece that I published just because it didn't quite fit with what I was working on. But, um, he he quoted a friend of his who he said like long enough long ago someone came up to a friend of his who had who had written a bunch of sci-fi fantasy books it might have been it might have been Roger's last name but I'm not sure but he you know his friend said um like someone's like oh they made a movie of your book it's terrible they ruined your book oh my god and this friend of George R. R. Martin's goes like no they didn't touch my book my book's on the shelf right over there it has nothing to do with like what that movie is my book still exists uh, you know separate from that and so that's sort of that's something that george told me about like the idea of seeing like loose adaptations versus like tight adaptations versus like feeling i think for his books that he already published they will always be his books and i think what's standing in his way are, are these things that just still exist in his head and the way in which the show has just, you know, and, and it's not the show's fault either because it's not like they set out to ruin George's life or anything like that. But, like, the show has just placed this um, impossible burden on him. So, yeah, it's it's interesting. I You know, this is not – I didn't necessarily mean to get so <laughs> – serious on this episode but um it's all good i mean know. i mean here's the big question though joanna yeah. to, to, to take it even more serious right which is um when you talked to him was this on the phone i assume right yeah it was a phone right yeah so when you talked to him did he say to you big fan of cast kings <laughs> or not <laughs> here's here's what i will like really honestly admit to you right now and to uh -huh. our listeners it's yes. just you and me right dave it's no just you listening. and me no not tens of thousands of people listening right now I was really nervous to talk to him because I like I was afraid that like for some reason I was like maybe George does not like me right. uh, so, for so whatever reason. There's like yeah. a there's like a ninety nine point nine nine percent chance that he doesn't even you know doesn't know who you are or right, you know right. hasn't read your work about sure, the about the show before right yeah, yeah but that absolutely. point zero zero and that's not to impugn you that's just like I assume no. George is a busy guy you know law of averages yeah right absolutely. um and. Uh, th but there's a point zero zero one percent chance that he reads those recaps every week, and is like, I can't wait to you know give Joanna Robinson a piece of my mind during this during this phoner, right? And I, I didn't think that he would be like unkind. I just thought maybe I was like, oh, maybe this maybe this person who I've spent years talking about will be just like slightly frosty to me because I've said something over the years that like hurt him, and I would not be like you know, surprised or if someone talked about my work and pulled it apart for yeah. years, they would, they would say something that hurt my feelings and I might be inclined to be frosty to them when I talk to yeah, them. Like imagine if someone had done 50 hours worth of podcasting about <laughs> your articles, right? Yeah. Like after every you. article, after every recap, <laughs> they had done a podcast about it, you know? Yeah, exactly. And then it's like at some point during that, they probably said something that you didn't like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you were just playing that out in your head when you talked to him. Yeah. And so I was like, well, maybe, you know, maybe he'll just be like a little like professional because he's doing promotion for the show. But like, you know, and, and 
my outlet carries some weight, but like, you know, a little, a little frosty. And then he was just like super nice right off the bat. He like asked where I was. We talked about the weather, which sounds so banal, but it was like very like warm and genuine sounding. And he was just really, really nice. And so I was like, not that, yeah, like once again, I didn't expect him to be unkind, but I was just like, okay, this person, I think has no idea who I am. And that's exactly what I want in this moment, just to talk to him like another person and not have any of those like extra, the weight of anything around it. Hopefully he didn't listen to all those terrible things we said about the last season. Um, (laughs) But, uh, but no, I'm glad that the interview went well. And of course you can check that out at vanityfair.com, right? Um, So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you, yeah, you know, I mean like uh, what was interesting to me, I didn't expect this going into it, but like to really, uh, figure out some of the connections between the work that Stan Lee has done and the work that George R. R. Martin has done. Like Mm -hmm. I just, I was, I think that's really interesting to see the direct influence of a great master like Stan Lee on another great master like George R. R. Martin. And then like, you know, 40 years from now or what have you, we're going to be interviewing some other person. Well, I'll be dead, but like someone will be interviewing, um, a person who has, uh, you know, been shaped by George R. R. Martin. And that's just cool. It's constantly, uh, evolving that way. Yeah. But yeah. Pop culture is a rich tapestry indeed. Um, All right. so can I, can I ask you a question? Ask me a question. I've already gone off about this, so I just want your opinion. But like, we're not going to talk too much about the detail. Like, there was no new footage released today with the announcement of the of the date of the new season of Game of Thrones. Um, they're or, being very or month month as it were, right? April April twenty nineteen, right? Although you you think you know the date, but yes. Um, and and I believe you to be clear, because I, I don't want to doubt you again. So you can tell me it's fine. <laughs> I mean, I could be wrong. Uh, it's happened before, but um, a couple times. The, <laughs> the um. They released a, like a teaser trailer that had no new footage in it. Uh, you know, it's still it's still kind of early for honestly for new footage, so I'm not that surprised by it. Entertainment Weekly posted a cover story with like literally exactly one new photo, <laughs> and then like a bunch of behind the scenes old photos from previous seasons. You know, so like Entertainment Weekly, they'll probably have more cover stories before all is said and done. But like they, they're being, you know, even more if it were possible, even more tight lipped than they were uh, last season. That being said, today when they debuted this teaser with no new footage, they had a like a slogan that went along with it, which is for the throne. And they've done this before where they debut like certain phrases that go with a season. Like last year it was rally the realm. Yeah. And there was like uh, the North remembers a couple years ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So this year it's for the throne. And I was actually talking to, you know, some, some folks that you and I have talked to on podcasts over the years, Miles McNutt and James Poniewozik of uh, the New York times. And they both agreed with me, like responded to a post that I wrote agreeing with me. Actually miles like sort of agreed even like went a little, further than my point which is just to say this this feels like actually i don't know if this is overreacting to a hashtag a huge misrepresentation of what we feel like game of thrones has been heading towards hmm. um because i feel like this idea of a game of thrones like the throne is all that matters was what the first few seasons of game of thrones was about and what both george and the show have been trying to underline is that the battle over this iron throne down in King's Landing made of a bunch of swords is really not going to be the point in the end at all. And so like hashtag for the throne 
like you know feels like something that you could put in season one certainly like season i would i would probably put it on season three would probably be the most for the throne um but is that what is going on now like maybe cersei but is that what's going on now more broadly in the show and if so like you know what am i missing so uh dave chen couple questions yeah a Am I wildly overreacting in the absence of anything else to react to? Uh, B, do you agree or disagree with my potentially wild overreaction to this hashtag? Uh, okay, my answers to the question are yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> yes to the first question, no to the second. I, I mean, uh, okay, here's what I'll say. I agree with you that the concept of who is sitting on the actual throne, who is actually ruling over the kingdom, who is executing the day-to-day tasks of like a monarch in this, uh, in Westeros, that is not a particularly interesting question, right? That 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 is a question that was interesting in the first few seasons, and that has become progressively less and less interesting as other priorities have come into play, like. Uh, the White Walkers and the invasion, and they, they actually seem to be getting south now, and so on, right? And and other things, right? Like the personal dynamics between the, between the characters, right? So I agree uh, in in some respects with what you said. Uh, where I disagree is that I think that people are still extremely invested in who the quote unquote victor is going to be, and the the concept of the throne standing in for uh, who the victor is of this whole battle, who who is going to win. Um, I, I do think that feels appropriate to me. So does that answer um, your first question? I, I don't know if that, you know, like I'm just saying no, like does. I don't. Of course it does. Yeah. You, well, you're you're saying, I think, uh, you're saying I'm taking the notion of throne too literally yes. in this context. Completely, yes. yes. Um, <laughs> you know, so what Miles said on Twitter, he goes, uh, I'll go one step further than Joanna. I think hashtag for the throne deeply misrepresents the stakes of the show as a whole and the actions of most of the characters and is prioritizing book ending the show over acknowledging its evolution. And James chimed in saying for the throne is the way Cersei would see the stakes of the end game. Unfortunately, a lot of viewers probably see it in Cersei terms as well, which the Cersei's of the world have always benefited from. Hmm. Um, and so I, I agree with you that if the three word hashtag that I have spent uh, 10 minutes discussing or whatever um, is meant and, to and be. And probably more... hours writing about, right? And thinking Not about. Hours. <laughs> like um, an hour. <laughs> an hour, yeah, sure. Um, you know, if, if, if it's like who will rule. Uh, you know, or who will win or, you know, uh, but, but uh, like, I, uh, let me, let me further well, try to, okay, try to shore, this... let me further try to shore my point in the, in the face <laughs> of your, of your sound logic, which is to say, um, the teaser that was released, like the concept behind it, what, like basically the, the footage, the teaser that they released is basically like some defining moments from the show cut together. Like that's all it was. Yeah. But, th- but their driving force behind it is like, this is what all of these people have done for the throne. Mm. Uh, and I did not agree with a lot of them. Um, and so I think, uh, I don't know. I just, I just think it's like, uh, uh, you know, honestly, I think it's a pretty innocent, like stretch to find a coherent theme in which to wrap an ad campaign around that can only be backwards looking and not forwards looking because they're not putting out new photos or new footage, you know? Um, 
so, uh, you know, it's not like, I, I, you know, I don't think it's a portrayal of the show. I think it's the marketing team doing their best with what they're given, to be honest with you. Um, but I do think it's just like it's misrepresentation. And at its like worst, which I don't think it is, at its worst, it's misdirection. Like, look at the throne, you know, which is what Cersei's doing. Look at the throne when in the end that's not going to be the point necessarily. So, I don't know. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I'll just say, having not, uh, I have not read your piece about it. I'll be, uh, I'll be upfront. Uh, nor did oh. I know about the tweets before you talked about them just now. Uh, I did hear about the hashtag earlier today, uh, and did hear about the date. And my, my first thought was not, "Ooh, I wonder who's going to sit on the Iron Throne at the end." My first thought was uh, that this hashtag is about like all that these people have sacrificed on this vast journey that we've been on, and that and that it kind of uh, the the hashtag for the throne to me implies a sense of finality that I think this season is going to bring us because it is the last season. Um, all right. So that, that was my initial, like, completely fresh, not having heard any of this stuff. Like, that was my initial reaction, and I stand by it. So <laughs> I think I think it is an overreaction, and uh, time will tell whether you're correct. Maybe, maybe you'll be, like, the show is going to air, and it's going to be, wow, this is super focused on the Iron Throne to an extent that none of the previous seasons have been on to the show's detriment. And then I will say you were right back in uh, November of 2018, Joanna. Um, I mean, I'm writing it down. <laughs> yeah, no, write it down. Mark it down. You know how old you do it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, our, but yeah, that, that was my reaction. Well, if our listeners agree or disagree, they can feel free to email us uh, at castlekings at gmail.com. We will definitely not read your email six months from now because we won't remember that this happened. <laughs> but we'll read them like now probably. <laughs> yeah, you know? oh, yeah. Oh, we yeah. definitely read them yeah, now. Yeah. Or you can so, tweet at us, whatever you want. Yeah, whatever you want to do. Uh, at Dave Chensky, at Joe wrote this. So... Uh, but and the the second answer, you know, the the second part of your question was like, uh, do I share your overreaction? Obviously, resounding no to that. You know, like I, I thought it was fine, and I think you're right. Like when I again, when I hear for the throne, I'm thinking like, oh, this is gonna be the end. You know, this is uh, the, the, you know, every everyone has sacrificed so much, and this is you know. What if uh, the throne literally gets melted into a puddle in like episode three? Yeah, I mean, then then it would be the misdirection option that you listed. Well, All right. Yeah, yeah, but no, I thought I thought it's fine, and I agree that they they don't have any forward looking stuff right now. You know, like they can't sh- they're not showing any footage from the show yet, so their hands are kind of tied. They're doing the best they can. I'm very understanding, and I think I think I also think it's weird to call something misrepresentation, given that we haven't seen the, the final episodes yet. Like, if, let's if we got to the end, and then you're like, yeah, that really for the throne is very deceptive. Then I'd be like, okay, totally. Totally fair. No, I mean, I think I think it more has to do with like, and once again, um, I'm 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 really genuinely not trying to ascribe any sort of like malicious <laughs> intent uh-huh. to the Game of Thrones marketing team, who I'm sure are very <laughs> lovely people. Uh, but you know, the, the the tweet in question with with the like teaser in it mm-hmm. uh, says every battle, every betrayer betrayal every risk every fight every sacrifice every death all for the throne and that's just like not how i would like john hasn't been going after the throne ever and certainly not the last few seasons you know what i mean like john's whole thing is like i don't want to rule that's not the point i'm just trying to save the realm and so then like to have that with footage of john snow fighting in a video playing underneath it is like is that is john been fighting for the throne that's not true you know what i mean and so i like once again i just think it's like 
I just think it's like a bad slogan for a product. That's mm. all. I'm I, like, uh, you know, I, I once again, no malicious intent. I just think it's like if they if they've been like Thai detergent, it gets your dishes clean. And I'm like, no, that's for my clothes. What the fuck? So, you know, that's <laughs> <laughs> First of all, great analogy. Secondly, uh, as usual, you're starting to turn me more in your your direction with that. You know, like that that does make I now somewhat understand why you're. I should have led with the tide analogy. You should have led with the tide analogy, (laughs) but yeah, the Jon Snow thing. I mean, again, I think you're right. Like he's he has no interest in the throne, really. But I take it more generically to mean like this is the person who's going to be victorious, right? So that's my that's my thoughts on that. So okay. Well, you were like, Joanna, will we have enough to talk about in this mini episode? And little did you know that three little words <laughs> could get me going for as long as it did. We, I mean, I, 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 I'm never skeptical about our ability to f- fill lots of time. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to know in what format it would be focused in. Uh, and I mean, are, are you psyched for the new, like, I, 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 are, you, are you psyched for the final season? Of the show, like how 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 psyched are you? Because like at this point, we <laughs> at this point you are one of the most read uh, Game of Thrones recappers on the internet. Um, this podcast is, I would argue, is like one of the most listened to about Game of Thrones on the internet, and so and and it has been a journey for both of us to to get to this point. Yeah. Um, and there has been lots of like peaks and valleys in that journey. You know, uh, yeah. in the in the sense that, like, I, and, you know, there's been many times we've both come close to being like, maybe we, like just like walking away from this podcast because it's just been so, um, it, it it has been challenging because when we've like generally when we've said some critical things about the show and we'll get like you know viciously attacked by uh, quote unquote fans of ours, um, and so <laughs> so like and last season was a little tough because I thought last season was despite some bravura sequences, uh, particularly like the the uh, dragon attack, you know, uh, and you seeing how that dragon can light light up armies. Um, I thought last season was mostly uh, pretty bad, or at least like yeah. half of it was bad, you know, with yeah. the, the entire cockamamie plan to like get the white from the north and like all, it's like basically like half the, half the season was witnessing characters you care about and had invested in make stupid decisions and then like being asked to care about the results of those decisions. And so the the last season of the show really did kind of wear me down a bit in terms of my ability to to look forward to the next, you know, next part of the show. Like I I lost a lot of faith in the showrunners last season. Um but that's me, Joanna. How about you? What are, what are your thoughts on on the show? Like, do you... <laughs> um, so what what I found to be true? I mean, it's tr- it, like you know, all the Game of Thrones actors have been talking about how like this is this is the end of like this incredible life changing chapter in their life, and it is. Uh, but it is for us too, in theory. Like this has just like taken us. I you know, I don't think I. I don't think I would have the job I have 
if it were not for this podcast. And I don't think you'd have the wife that you have if it were not for this podcast. <laughs> so, you know, it's like it's really just done a kind of a number on our lives in a in a in a you know tangential to this larger cultural juggernaut thing. And so when I think about it being over, I it you know it, it's. It, that's hard to contemplate for me because, yeah, as uh, this is going to sound kiss ass to our listeners, but as the show Game of Thrones has become less and less the story that I recognize, what Game of Thrones season has meant to me is like the larger experience of talking about the show with you, um, hearing from our listeners, uh, coming up with like fun and weird inside jokes, like, you know, poor Ollie, uh, et cetera, or Ollie you know, like rules, Jen- I think is the word you're looking for. <laughs> Ollie rules. Uh, fuck Ollie. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, or Jenny and Kristen writing us like songs to put on our podcast or other listeners writing us songs, like just sort of the like s- celebration and coming together around it, you know, as we talked about this before, but like as the monoculture, which is what, you know, the phrase that means, I'm not telling you, I'm telling maybe someone who um, doesn't like spend all day seeped in this, but like the monoculture, which means like, you know, the one thing that we are all paying attention to has shifted away from film and television to, I think like the Trump show, which is not something I'm ever interested in covering. Um, and so this remains one of the, like the last things that we all gather around the hearth children. And we're going to like spend these 10, then seven and now six weeks, you know, in on this and discussing whether or not we think it's good. And that experience I really do cherish. Um, even as it's a show that, uh, has more, uh, you know, downs as the seasons go on for me. Does that make sense? Like, I know it sounds, it really does sound genuinely kiss ass to say, uh, that the experience of talking to our listeners and talking to you matters more to me in this show, but it, it does. It's a community thing, um, that our great listeners have built and, and that matters to me. So, yeah. Uh, (laughs) I echo your thoughts and, you know, we should point like when I, I feel like sometimes when I bring up like our listeners, I'll, I'll have the tendency to bring up like the the downside of the fans. But um, but yeah, they, we have met very many lovely people through this podcast and um, and had many great times and awesome debates and um, and so there there has been a lot that's been great about it. And heading into the final season, the the one thing that gives me hope about the final season is um uh, you know as you know i think like i think i'm pretty sure i was one of the if not the first person to break the news that like the final episodes will all theoretically be movie length right i think um, it was you dave chen i think it was, it was you, me i think it was me which was via, an off- <laughs> via the loose lips of paul ferriel <laughs> I, I know in an offhanded <laughs> remark by the i want to say sound designer right of uh, game yeah. of thrones uh, and I tweeted that from Count of Thrones, and it got picked up by like everywhere. Um, and that implies to me that like they they are leaving it all on the field, you know, like that that they're like we're pulling out all the stops, we're we're putting all the budget we can into this thing, and uh, they're they're gonna and they're not even that, but like they're going to take liberties with the one hour format itself, right? And so. I I I, I want to believe that they wouldn't do that unless uh, they felt like you know there was there was a good 
like this is the way we want to tell the story and that they want the story to be as epic as possible because you don't have like six it's six episodes right you don't have like six 90 minute episodes or however the hell long they're going to be unless you feel like um that's the best way to tell an expansive story that you're trying to tell you know like if they i'm sure they could have tried to make it an hour like you know hbo is going to let them do whatever they want at this point and so the fact that it is longer the fact that they are you know pouring tons of money into this makes me feel like hey like maybe there's something uh that there'll be i don't know that there'll be less reservations less i don't know it's just that there's there's going to be some risk taking i feel like there's risk taking you know that's how i feel about it Here's what I'll say is the most encouraging um, thing that I've read so far about the next season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this comes from the Entertainment Weekly cover story that James Hibbert did. Uh, you know, it came out, I think, last week. Um, where he talked to Weiss and off, and there's the usual sort of EW rhetoric of, like, biggest battle scene ever. So many people, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just sort of like, okay. like Good, I don't, uh, good Entertainment Weekly impression, by the way. That I don't, sounds... Yeah. Well, I in like not no, not to knock, but like, you know, it's just like they they they're they've been the hype men of Game of Thrones for for years. And every year I feel like I hear more stats about how this is the this battle is gonna be bigger and more epic. And that is certainly like what a lot of people turn into Game of Thrones for, and that's fine. But like for me it's not it you know, other like I loved that dragon attack that you mentioned, but the reason that I loved it is because like you see Jamie and you see Daenerys and you see Tyrion, you see Bronn, you see these people who matter and, and the human cost of it. And it's to me, you know, like, yeah, you can't get there without the beautiful CGI spectacle of the dragon with lovely sound design by Paula Fairfield. But like you, um, but like that, that humanity is what matters to me. So anyway, so, so in this entertainment weekly article, Benioff says, um, you know, it actually doesn't, he's like, it doesn't actually doesn't sound that interesting to me to have the biggest battle. That sounds kind of boring. Uh, you know, he, and, he and, says that you're saying, yeah, Benioff yeah. said, uh, you know, that doesn't sound that interesting to me. That sounds kind of boring. And like his point being like, it, it like having the biggest is, is like, is not the point like they want it to be emotionally resonant you know what i mean and so i think i think just promising like big is no longer like the the most interesting thing that they want to do i i can understand why that was like you know almost like uh wow look what we have the budget to do look what we can do this is so cool and now maybe in their final season having climbed all those peaks having gotten all these awards knowing that this is the end you know maybe they can say okay so big battles are cool we like big battles but that's not like what we don't want to go out on just like cgi spectacle alone um you know he said, Benioff says, having the largest battle doesn't sound very exciting. It actually sounds pretty boring. Part of our challenge and really Miguel's challenge, he's talking about Miguel Sapochnik, who directed yeah. this big battle episode in the upcoming season and has directed other battle episodes like Hard Home, my favorite, Battle of the Bastards, other people's favorites. Uh, he says, part of our challenge and really Miguel's challenge is how to keep that compelling. We've been building towards this since the very beginning. Uh, and then he says something that you might consider a spoiler, so I won't say. Appreciate uh, it. And you can't do that in a 12-minute sequence. So you know how how do you how do you keep this dynamic? How do you keep this emotionally gripping? So my hope, and I said this elsewhere, but like you know we can all rank our favorite battles on Game of Thrones, and mine will probably look 
given the angry tweets I've received over the years, mine might look different from other people's. But one that I always come back to, Hard Home is great. The, you know, Spoils of, uh, Spoils of War episode last year was so great. But um, Blackwater, like the first season, season two is the first season you and I discussed. Blackwater, which is barely any battle and mostly human, uh, you know, emotions. That's that's the one that sticks with me all these years later. So uh, I'm hoping that they sort of aim for something like that. Yeah, you know, as the words were leaving my mouth about <laughs> why, why, like, you know, I was like, you know, I know Joanna's going to disagree with me about this, and I think, I think, um, you're you're completely right, which is to say that the show has already given us spectacle uh, in a really great way, and ultimately, what the show has also demonstrated is that that spectacle is not satisfying unless there is emotional resonance, and you know emotional catharsis and really interesting character developments and relationships to back that up. Uh, and so I, I guess the idea that they're spending a ton of money is ulti- – the more I think about it, you're right. Like it's not that interesting. What is interesting to me is just the fact that they are like playing with the format, like that, there are, that they are making the episodes longer – because to me, I guess it's probably uh, now I'm reading into it, like you're reading into the hashtag, but like to me, it implies that they are like uh, almost like willing to take more chances with um, the form and therefore the storytelling. Right? I hope so. I think right. that'd be really fun. You know, one of their, I know that their run times like were were kind of swollen last year, but the first time that I remember them really doing something. Uh, great with um, th- an expanded runtime was the season finale two seasons ago um, when the sept blows up. Um, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, and that one, that episode starts with um, that really long, almost or, or is like pretty much silent sequence right or, or mostly silent and that's it's a, most... no, you mean dialogue free i would it's not silent. sorry sorry yeah. yes sorry sorry yes i meant dialogue free with the great Ramin javadi like track my favorite Ramin javadi track playing underneath and that that to me is the closest that the show has come to doing what you're saying which is just sort of like pushing the boundaries of form a bit like if if audiences are trained for constant stimulation that was an episode that really made people just like no sit down (laughs) and we're gonna just do we're gonna set the stage for you we're not just gonna blow you know i think i'm sure at the time we talked about hitchcock and suspense versus surprise and stuff like that you know and it's like um we're not just gonna like kaboom the sept and that's the impact, the impact is all the buildup to it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's, that's the ultimate of, I think of what the show in this final season, the marriage of spectacle and, um, you know, emotional tension can be hopefully, you know? Indeed. All right. Well, uh, anything else to discuss or shall we sign off for another six months? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, uh, yeah, I guess, I guess that's it. Uh, 
Um, that episode, sorry, I, I like for some reason my brain couldn't come up with the title of it, but that episode's called The Winds of Winter, uh, was directed by Miguel Sapochnik, of course, uh, written by Weiss and Benioff. So, you know, I'm, I'm excited. Miguel Sapochnik is doing, he's my favorite Game of Thrones director. He's doing two episodes in the final season. Weiss and Benioff are doing the finale, which is, um, you know, it will be interesting to see. And yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll talk again, I'm sure before, the season premiere, but not much before, you know, we're not doing a big rewatch or anything. So, you know, we'll see you guys next year, I guess. Yeah, indeed. All right. In the meantime, where can people find your stuff, Joanna? I work for a magazine called Vanity Fair. So you can find me on vanityfair.com. You follow me on Twitter at Joe wrote this. Uh, I do a number of other podcasts, including a storm of spoilers, still watching and Little Gold Men, and you can hear me on any of those. All right. Find uh, all my stuff at DaveChen.net. I have a newsletter, DaveChen.net slash letters is where you can sign up for that. I'm also uh, making a bunch more YouTube videos these days. YouTube.com slash DaveChensky. That's DaveChensky. And at DaveChensky is where you can follow me on Twitter as well. Uh, Joanna, always a pleasure. And we'll be back with the next season of A Cast of Kings. Uh, probably shortly before April 28th, depending on how accurate Joanna's prediction abilities are. So (laughs) see you soon.